Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from the Southern California foothills town of Glendora, California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead lost people to Jesus, building a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you, opens your heart, and shows you how to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Welcome to Real Life. If you're here for the first time this morning, I'm Jim. I'm your pastor. It's good to be with you again. I've been away for the last couple weeks on vacation, uh, visiting some old friends in Hawaii where I used to live and uh, relaxing with my family. And I got to say, I appreciate a staff that uh, keeps everything going, keeps the church reaching out and allows my family to take a break. Can you say thank you to our staff for being so good at what they do? And uh, let me take a minute to say hello to the chapel. Welcome to those who are on the other side of our campus today worshiping uh, with us in here. And welcome to everybody who's online tuning in. Because I've noticed as people are away on their own travels this summer, people are logging in and joining us on the weekends from all over the place. It's kind of fun to, to see who's on there. Uh, and I've been seeing real-life t-shirts appear on social media from the Dominican Republic and from Jerusalem. And so if you're somewhere this summer and you uh, take a real-life t-shirt along, uh, make sure you pop that up on social media and uh, share with us uh, where you are, and we will, uh, we will say hello from afar. Um, thank you to all of you who have continued to give to our uh, our capital campaign that allowed us to move into this new building just a couple months ago. Uh, you, you were so generous to pledge and commit and start giving. And we're not even three months in and 61% has already come in. Uh, so thank you for your, your persistence. If you've pledged but haven't started giving yet, you can go ahead and jump right in. We're putting the, the final touches on the building as we move in. And if you're, if you're brand new to us, because I realize some of us have joined Real Life since we moved into this building. You're welcome to, to pledge and commit and help us uh, co uh, conclude this move uh, as well. But thank you for your generosity that's made all that possible. Uh, I was back in Hawaii and I was talking to an old friend of mine uh, who reminded me uh, of this story that happened in Hawaii uh, many years ago. There was a, a pastor there who was doing a capital campaign of his own so their church could move into their new building. Uh, and as they did that, a guy from the congregation came to him and he said, hey, I will make a, a generous contribution to your capital campaign, but uh, I, want, I want something from you. I want you to do the funeral for my brother who has just passed away. And the pastor thought, well, I'd, I'd do that anyway. You don't have to donate for me to do that. And he goes, no, 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 but there's a, there's a condition. Uh, I want you at the funeral to say that my brother was a saint. And the pastor knew that that was not true. The, the brother who had passed away was just a swindler. He had stolen money from people. He was a nasty person. Both the brothers had this bad reputation uh, in town. But the guy said, well, I'll make a, a generous donation to your capital campaign if at the funeral you'll say my brother was a saint. And the pastor didn't feel good about that. And he thought about it in a minute. He says, well, okay, but I have a condition too. You have to make the donation before the funeral. And the brother thought, well pastor's not going to lie. He's not going to tell me he'll do it and then take it back. So, okay, so that's probably safe. So he made a donation to the, the capital campaign, and then the funeral came, and the pastor stood up, and he says, uh, I want you to know about the deceased. He was an absolute swindler. He was a terrible man. He robbed people, but compared to his brother over there, he was a saint. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, 
So don't give with strings attached, I guess, is the moral of that story, because might not have the last word. Uh, but anyway, it's good to be with you again. I was, uh, I was reading the Bible recently, and I came across a verse in the Bible that I'd seen before and I love, but it hit me in a new way. Uh, it's in Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 5 all morning this morning. So if you want to open in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, that's where we're going to be. Galatians 5 begins with this great line from the Apostle Paul. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Uh, and I love that line. Uh, it's a little bit of a play on words, but, but it's also so powerful when it gives, you, uh, the, it gives you this vision for the heart of God. It tells us who God is and what God wants for us. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Galatians chapter 5. And then in the rest of the chapter, the apostle Paul will then uh, distinguish freedom from two kinds of slavery. He'll say that there's a kind of slavery that you can fall into that's a slavery to the law, and there's a kind of slavery that you can fall into that's a slavery to sin. So he begins with the law. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Don't become a legalist. Don't return to religious legalism. Christ has set you free. He hasn't set you, set you a captive to be a, a religious legalist who's just following a bunch of rules. Uh, and some people think that that's all church is. Some people who don't go to this church think that the church is just this place of religious uh, oppression where you just follow a bunch of rules and they try to mute all of your, your freedom and your enjoyment. And for religious insiders, legalism just becomes a way of looking down their noses at other people, just thinking they're better than other people. You know, they talk bad about other people because they know they've got their stuff together and everybody else is a mess. And for religious outsiders, legalism becomes that thing that keeps you away from the church. Because you feel like, I know what they're doing in there. They're talking about me. And if I go there, they will look down at me. And I don't want any part of that. They're, they're, they say that they follow a God of love, and then they're a bunch of judgmental gossips. And they're greedy. They're selfish. They say they follow the God who loves the poor, and they don't, they don't care for the poor. I'm not going to have anything to do with that. And, and Paul says, don't return to legalism. Legalism is that, is that thing that, that poisons true faith. If you, if you want the church full... Love people the way Jesus loves them. Don't go chasing after religious legalism. And then on the other side, he'll say, don't fall into slavery to the law. Also, don't fall into slavery to sin. Don't fall in, into slavery to a reckless kind of behavior uh, that messes up your life and addicts you. Uh, so in other words, Paul will say, you can, you can become a slave to too much law or too little law. You can be a slave to legalism or to licentiousness. And freedom is this narrow path between the two. Uh, the Greek philosopher Aristotle said that every virtue is a, a mean, a middle ground between two vices. And his famous example is courage. Courage is the middle ground between cowardice and recklessness. Between too little courage and too much courage. Courage lies in between the two. And Paul here will do the same thing. Paul will say that freedom lies in between slavery to too much law and too little law. And that's Galatians chapter 5. And he begins on this great opening line, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Uh, and I love that line because it, it tells us freedom is a good thing in and of itself. Freedom is, is good of its own right. God doesn't set us free for the sake of something else. God sets us free because freedom is a good thing and he wants us to be free. A kind of an appropriate thing for us to talk about in our July 4th week here. Right? It is, freedom is a good thing in and of itself. Uh, he, he doesn't set us free. If you, ask, if you ask religious people, why does God set you free? Some of them would say, he does what? 
That's that's the last thing I experience at church. It's anything but free. Uh, And other people would say, he sets us free for the sake of something else. He sets us free so we can stop sinning or something like that. But that's not the case at all. Freedom is good in and of its own right. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It's a good thing in and of itself. Remember, the, the center of Jesus' Bible, the center of the Hebrew Bible is the book of Exodus. Uh, Exodus is only the second book of the Bible, but it's the, the center, the heart of the Hebrew Scriptures. Because the story of the Exodus is the story of a God who loved a people who were trapped in slavery and wanted them to be free. So he led them out of Egypt and out of slavery and into their promised land where they could build their own home, their own place of worship, their own kingdom. And and after that, after Exodus, that's how God identified himself. After that, God always says, remember, I am the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. When people ask, which God do you worship? You worship the God who brought you out of the house of slavery. That's the God I am. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Freedom is a good thing in and of itself. He wants us to be free. And so we're beginning a new series of teachings today called Free. And in the coming weeks, we're going to look at the kind of freedom that God wants for us. Because I think it is a beautiful and powerful thing, better than most of us expect. God wants you to be guilt-free, worry-free, stress-free, care-free, and debt-free. God wants you to be free from all kinds of things that weigh you down. Uh, And I bet uh, there's something in your life that you could name right now. You'll think of it, as I say this, that something that weighs you down that you feel like it is the thing that is stopping you from being free. Uh, And maybe it's a terrible work situation. Maybe it's a terrible relationship. Maybe it's something in your past that you can't shake off. And it weighs you down. It just sits on your heart. It, It holds you captive. Well, I honestly believe that God wants to set you and I free from things like that. And I honestly believe that if you and I are faithful, if we, if we stick with these teachings, if we're reading the scriptures on our own, that this summer we will see God set people miraculously free from things that have held them down for years. I honestly believe that. Uh, this is going to be the best summer we've ever had as a church. <laughs> Let's take a minute and pray together for that kind of freedom. Father, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you're a good God who calls us to be free. I thank you that you're the God of the Exodus who does not like to see your people trapped in slavery of any kind. Don't let us be slaves to the law. Don't let us be slaves to sin. Make us free in you, free in Christ. God, if there's anybody here today who is, who is just weighed down and burdened, who has something on their heart that, that exhausts them and wears them out, God, by the power of your spirit, set them free. God, open up our hearts now to be free, to hear your voice. Speak to us through your word by the power of your spirit. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. All right, go ahead and open up to Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to start at the beginning, and we're going to stay in Galatians chapter 5 all morning long. It's a, it's a beautiful, powerful chapter of the Bible, and I just love this chapter, and I love how he begins, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Uh, have you ever had a voice in your life uh, that, that sort of speaks into your ear, whispers into your ear, and you feel like you're stuck in the place that that voice uh, is, is 
is naming for you. That you feel stuck in a place that this voice tells you you can't get out of that. Uh, Like, for instance, maybe you've been in a work situation for years that has been terrible and you can't fix it. And maybe it's a business situation and you're working on it. And you've been working to succeed. You've been working to achieve and it keeps failing. And you try and you try and for every step forward, it seems like there's another one, uh, another step back. And you just can't get ahead. And after all these years, you look at that and you say, well, I'm the one who's working on it and it's not working. So it must be me. Maybe I'm destined to fail. Maybe I just can't be a success. Or or maybe you've been in a relationship. Maybe you just got out of a relationship and it was terrible. It was bad when you got into it. You knew it wasn't going to be a good relationship. But it it was better than nothing. And so you took it it. And it took time away from you. It took emotional energy away from you. And honestly, it took some of your self esteem. And now it's over and you look back on it and you say, well, there it is again. It must be me. Maybe I'm somebody who doesn't get to be loved. Or, or maybe, maybe you go to, go to church now and then, and, and there's something in your past that so weighs on you that when you go to church, you think, I, I hope the pastor doesn't see me. <laughs> right? I hope the pastor doesn't know I'm there. Or, or worse yet, I hope God doesn't see me. Right? That voice is the devil. I don't mean that in a metaphorical, poetic way. That voice is the devil. There are dark things at work in our world that want to keep you down and will point back to failures in your past and say, you're stuck there. You're trapped. You're never getting out. You will never be free. Uh, it's, like a, it's like something I saw back when I was in seminary. I had a, a friend in seminary who is about six inches shorter than I am. So he's a little fella. And uh, it's not a very nice thing to say, but he was tiny. And... Um, Side note, um, I remember when I first met um, a guy named C.S. Coles, who was a personal friend and mentor of mine uh, many years ago. Uh, He came to my previous church on my first Sunday there. My first Sunday preaching was his first Sunday visiting. And sometime after that, he and I sat down for coffee. And he said, you know, your first sermon was the first time I was there. I'd never heard you before. And do you know what I thought when you first stood up in front of that church? And I thought, oh, he's going to say something nice. This is going to be good. He's gonna, I'm, I can't wait for this. What, what did you think? And he goes, they got a little guy. <laughs> and I thought, you're not a very good pastor. <laughs> no, but he and I were good friends after that. So anyway, I had this friend in, in a seminary. And he was a little fellow. He was about six inches shorter than me. Uh, and he told me at one point, he says, you know, I have two brothers. And so I was picturing like the three dwarves. And um, he goes, no, both of my brothers are over six feet tall. And I said, I said, really? He goes, yeah, I know you wouldn't think, but they're both over six feet tall. And I'm the oldest one. And he says, uh, he says, I'll tell you the truth. And he says, I promise I'm not, I'm not lying here. To this day, they cannot beat me up. He says, if we get into it, because you know how your brothers get into it. You know, they start, if they start wrestling. He goes, to this day, they can't take me. I can take both of them. It doesn't matter how big they are, because in their head, I'm still their big brother. Right? They can't take me, right? Well, some of us have listened to voices in our lives, which have said, remember back, remember back on that day that I beat you? I could beat you again. Remember back on that day where you failed? If you try again, you're going to fail again. You remember back on that day where someone rejected you and didn't love you? That's going to happen again. Well, listen, that voice is the devil. In Jesus, you have grown. In Christ, you are bigger. 
In, in Jesus, you become stronger than you were. And it is time for some of us to go to those voices that keep us down and beat those voices up. Those voices don't get to control you anymore. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And you know the voice in your life right now, which tells you that you can't be free. It, it is time for some of us to turn on that voice and reject it. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Don't let those things keep you down. Jesus wants us to be free and values freedom in and of itself. So look at Galatians chapter 5. Paul is going to address a kind of enslavement that Christians in the first century were facing. Uh, these were Jewish Christians who had come out of the, the Jewish faith, the Hebrew faith, which is committed to the law. And the way you make yourself right before God is following the law. You obey the law, and, and if you do it enough, then you'll be favored in God's eyes. The problem is, none of us, none of us can be good enough. None of us can be good enough to satisfy a perfect God. And so this, this obedience to the law became an oppression. Over time, over years and years and years of trying to, to follow the law, God's people just felt like it, like it weighed them down. It was, an, it was an oppression that they could not be free from. Then they, became, they started becoming Christians. Jesus came and they started converting and following Jesus. And the apostle Paul, who wrote Galatians, says, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. He's gone around preaching that we are free in Christ, that you no longer have to follow the hundreds and hundreds of laws, the ceremonial laws that they followed before that. You are now free. And so these, these Jewish Christians, these new converts, wanted to know what that meant. Does that, does that mean we're free from everything? What, what, laws, what laws do we not have to follow? And the one they really wanted to talk about, and this comes up over and over again in the Bible, the one they wanted to know about was circumcision. Like that was a big deal. Like, if I'm going to convert to Christianity, like, what, what am I obligated to? What am I not obligated to? So that's why Paul gets into the topic of circumcision in Galatians chapter 5, because it has to do with their freedom. Listen to Galatians 5 at verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And now he's going to talk about slavery to the law. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. In other words, if you try to be a legalist, you don't get freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ is instead of the law, not in addition to it. Uh, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. If you're going to try to make yourself right by the law, try to follow all of them and see how that goes. You are trying to be justified by the law because you have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Don't go back and try to follow all the laws. You're never going to do it anyway. And if you try to follow one, you're going to have to try to follow all of them. All of them. That's not freedom in Christ. And of course, the one they want to know about is, well, what about circumcision? That's the, I know there's a lot of them, but that, let's talk about that one first. And I know what you're thinking. You're asking, Pastor Jim, why was that a big deal? Why did they want to know about that? Why would they raise that question? Go ask your mom. Um, 
That, that was the one. What laws do we have to follow? Are we bound by the laws? And, and Paul, Paul begins on this great line. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And then he closes on this great line. It, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The, the idea that the, the church is supposed to be a legalistic organization, that, that faith is supposed to be a legalistic activity, is an idea that would, that would disgust the heart of God. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. He is the God who sets people free from slavery. Don't turn around and then try to be justified by the law again. Don't go around trying to prove what a good person you are. Just let yourself be forgiven. Grace is something that is supposed to be received, not achieved. Just receive the grace that God wants to give you. The idea that God wants us to, to be legalistic and to feel guilty when we break the law is, is an idea that's disgusting to the heart of God. The, disgust is a, it's actually a, a phenomenon that psychologists study. Uh, you know, the fact that there are certain things in the world that make us go, ugh. Like psychologists actually study, why is that a thing? Why do we go, ugh. We craft moral laws around things that disgust us. Uh, it's, uh, it's actually like this. I was in, um, in Chiang Mai, uh, Thailand a few years ago on a mission trip, uh, helping a, a native people group there. And I was walking through one of the night markets where there is um, stall after stall after stall of, of T-shirts and trinkets and jewelry. And all night long, you have all these markets, and stall after stall. After, you can walk for blocks and just see the same thing over and over and over again. Um, I bought a t-shirt uh, and I realized, I found out that uh, a medium in Thailand is about two sizes smaller than a medium in the United States. Uh, I'll wear it for you next week. Um, <laughs> I kid you not, it says the big kahuna on it, the big kahuna. And uh, it looks like I've been shopping at Gap Kids. Um, but uh, <laughs> but, uh, but so, so uh, I, I'm walking along, there's t-shirts and jewelry and stuff, and then I come to these stalls and there are boxes and boxes of cooked bugs. Now, this is a normal thing. In a lot of places in the world, people eat cooked bugs. Environmentalists will tell you it'd be better for the world if we'd all do that. I don't know, there's, something, there's something in me that just goes, no, I don't think I'm ever doing that. I just think that's where the line is and I'm not crossing it. Ew. Well, the idea that the church is supposed to be a legalistic organization that keeps people under control, that forces them to follow rules, that makes them legalistic, self-righteous, and judgmental is an idea which makes Jesus go, oh, that's not at all what I made you for. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I have not created you to be a legalistic, judgmental, self-righteous body. I want you to be a body of people who are free from the law, to be free to grace and to love. I remember years ago when I was working with teenagers at a church, there was a girl who joined our, our church youth group, and she came from a Buddhist family. And so her family didn't know anything about church, uh, had not been to church. And, and all of a sudden, she comes, and she, she loved the youth group. She loved what we did. She loved the people. She loved the fun stuff we did together. She loved what we were learning. And I remember her, at one point, her mom told me that she thought that her daughter had joined a cult. And I said, why, why do you think it's a cult? And she goes, because she likes it. Church is supposed to be a place where you learn to follow rules and behave. And it's supposed to be boring and nobody, nobody enjoys church. So it must be a cult. That's the kind of idea that would make Jesus go, ew, that's not what I came to create. I want my people to be free. I certainly don't want them bound to the law. 
For centuries, God's people tried to make themselves right before God by being legalistic, and it didn't work. We cannot, by our own efforts, make ourselves good in front of a perfect God. God wants to set us free. God longs to set us free. It's, it's like this. What God really wants from us is like, for us is like this. Um, imagine that there's a, a report card that you're going to get for life, a report card for life. And so instead of math and science and English and history, you're, you're going to get a, a report card, and it has things on it like integrity, honesty, loving kindness, goodness. I think I know how my report card looks. F, D minus, C, but you cheated. F. (laughs) Honestly, I know what my report card looks like. And if we're honest with ourselves, we all know what our report card looks like. The only person who's ever gotten straight A's on the report card for life is Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, A, 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 A. And when we come to believe in him, Jesus does something pretty amazing. When you come to believe in Jesus, when you put your faith in Jesus, he takes your report card with all your F's and your D's, and he marks out your name. And he writes his name at the top. And he takes all of your D's and your F's onto him. And then he takes his report card with his straight A's on it, and he marks his name off at the top. And he writes your name on it. And you're now a straight A student. You didn't earn it. It was a gift. And he wants you to have it. Grace is to be received, not achieved. Don't go back and try to achieve it again. Don't go back to the law and try to prove yourself again. You're just going to start getting F's. Let Jesus in his grace give you his report card because that's what he wants for you. That is the kind of freedom that he wants for you. Not bound by past failures, but free to be fully who he made you to be. That's the promise of the gospel. And now the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. If you think God is a God with a a clipboard who goes around checking off your behaviors to see what you've done right and what you've done wrong, that's, that's not who God is. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. If you think church is a place where you have to go and put on a good face and act appropriate so everybody thinks nicely of you, that's that's not what church is supposed to be. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Don't turn and be a, a slave to the law. We've been set free from that. And then Paul will say, now, don't turn and be a slave to sin either, right? There's, you can be attached to, to too much law or you can be attached to too little. We all know as we uh, enter this uh, 4th of July week and talk about freedom, we all know that we don't mean by freedom complete autonomy to do whatever you want. Complete autonomy, complete recklessness is just anarchy. Uh, complete autonomy is just anarchy. It, it, it doesn't lead to anything good. And, and we all know this. This is kind of common parlance in, uh, in U.S. law. There's a famous law uh, statement in the law that came out of the, the uh, 1800s when uh, lawyers were debating in a free society, can somebody just walk around swinging their arms and, you know, if somebody gets hit, well, it's a free country. You can swing your arms. And that's where the famous line came from, your freedom ends where not, my nose begins, right? It's like that game my sister and I used to play when we were little where, you know, it's like, I'm just going to swing my arms like this. And if you get hit, that's your fault, right? 
right? Well, the, she did that to me. I didn't, I didn't do that. Um, and that's where the famous line comes from in, in, uh, in American law. Your freedom ends where my nose begins. When we talk about freedom, we don't actually mean complete autonomy because that leads to destructive things. Paul will say this, it leads to slavery to sin. It leads to addiction. Uh, and addiction is the ultimate irony because addiction is pursuing freedom until you're a slave again. That's what addiction is. Addiction is pursuing freedom until you're a slave again. And Paul will say that's not the kind of freedom that God has called us to. Galatians 5 at verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is filled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Don't become a slave to law, it'll just bind you. It'll just give you an F. But on the other hand, don't become a slave to sin, it'll destroy you too. The kind of freedom that God has, has opened up to us is a freedom to be loving and graceful people. The kind of people that we were meant to be and the kind of people that we actually want to be. You know people in your life who are broken. Jesus doesn't want us in their lives shaking a finger at them because we're, we're slaves to the law and we want to use the law to scold them. That's not what Jesus made us for. That's not the kind of freedom that he calls us to. The kind of freedom that he calls us to is a freedom of grace and of love. Uh, I remember a few years ago when my son was about three or four years old, we were out in Finkbeiner Park. We went to Finkbeiner Park for the afternoon, and I did what, you know, every good and responsible dad does. I said, Daddy's going to read a book. Go play. And so I sat in the shade reading a book while my three or four-year-old ran around on the playground. And after, you know, getting several chapters into this book, I looked around and I suddenly realized I didn't know where my son was. I had lost him. And I looked around and there were kids all over the playground, all over the equipment in the skate park, and I could not see my three or four-year-old anywhere. And worse yet, there were moms everywhere the kinds of moms that mock you when you're the dad who lost the kid at the playground. And so, so I was very kind of anxiously looking around and trying not to look like I had lost a child and, and it wandered around. And I turned the corner and I found him behind the playground equipment in a spot on the ground where he had discovered that I think rainfall from the day before had left a, a mud puddle on the ground. And he was head to toe deep in mud, had made a, a, a sand castle out of mud. He had made this mud castle. And he sees me turn the corner around the playground equipment, and he goes, Papa! <laughs> now, what do you think I did? What do, you, do you think I went, how dare you reach out to me with all that mud all over you? Don't you think that I'll pick you up and hug you when you have mud? Clean yourself up first. If you clean yourself up first, then I will hold you and be your father. Do you think I did that? No, I was like, oh gosh, I lost my kid. There he is. And I picked him up. And I thought, oh gosh, almost lost him. And there is no amount of dirt that you have gotten on yourself in your life that would ever make Jesus say, no, no, clean yourself up first before you come near me. Never would he do that. No matter how broken you have gotten by a misuse of freedom, Jesus longs to grab you and hold you close and say, oh gosh almost lost you. 
It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Use it to love one another. Use it to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the kind of grace that God has called us to and set us free for. You know someone right now in your life who has lived a broken existence and, and freedom has wrecked them. You know somebody in your life who is, who is covered in dirt because of the way they have used their freedom. Don't become a legalist who goes to scold them. That's not what Jesus set us free for. Love the way that you have been loved. When you see people who are broken by this world and this life and bad choices, take them in your arms and say, oh gosh, I'm so glad we didn't lose you. It is for that kind of freedom that Christ has set us free. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are a God of freedom, a God of love, a God of the exodus. God, rescue us from the things that have enslaved us. If we have in the course of this life become judgmental and confident in our own goodness, break us of that arrogance. Set us free to be graceful. If we have in our reckless use of freedom, messed up our lives, messed up our families, messed up the people around us. God, by your grace, take that report card away from us. Set us free. And then make us the vessels of your grace that love other people the way you loved us. Set us free in this world to love wholeheartedly in the name of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.